It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. What is cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you, and you are listening to Reception. Perception. The show. Matt Harmon, my guy, how are we feeling today? James, I'm feeling awesome because um, the truck that I bought uh, with the with the money from the good people, uh, of the good subscribers of ReceptionPerception.com, <laughs> and and yeah. also maybe my maybe my other uh, maybe my other job as well, yeah, finally arrived me. today. Arrived oh today, so I'm God. feeling I'm feeling like a a big Dang. badass right now. Yes, yeah, it's out it's out in front of the house, and I'm I'm feeling good, man. So I'm fired up for this show. I'm fired Dude. up about that. Week three in the NFL, man, If it's a good time to be alive, bro. Holy hell, look at you. Just big balling right now. I love it, man. <laughs> so Dude, I, it's it's by far the nicest thing I've ever done for myself. And if <laughs> I, and honestly, if I'm being really transparent with you and the listeners, it feels yes. weird to, to have to own something that, that nice. It feels really weird. <laughs> I love it, man. Okay, cool. Hey, listen, we got a great show in front of us here today, and we're really going to dive down deep. Uh, into your rest of season rankings here, Matt. Um, you had some big movers and shakers, um, and some of the names we're going to be hitting on today, Amon Rossane Brown, Garrett Wilson, C.D. Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, and Christian Kirk as well. But can we start right at the top? Stefan Dix, Jamar Chase, kind of sort of moving both of these guys around just a bit here. Can you tell the listeners um, what you did? Well, to be honest with you, James, I, I really thought about moving Stefan Diggs to wide receiver too. Um, mm. over, over Justin Jefferson. Now, I feel pretty good about having, you know, not that I think Justin Jefferson is going to have great games before I think he's going to have a great season. I do feel really good the way the first two weeks have played out for um, the fact that I kept uh, Cooper Cup as my wide receiver one pretty much throughout the process, never really wavered. Um, even though Justin Jefferson's a great player, and it was certainly like the hipster thing to do, right, to move JJ uh, to wide receiver one. But, yeah, so I feel really good about um, – feel really good about where Steph Diggs is at right now. Obviously, he's coming off a freaking three-touchdown game. We know that. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. Right. Uh, you know, at the same time, though, it's just really – I'm looking at two ecosystems right now. And, you know, the, the rollout for Jefferson in week one, I mean, it couldn't have been any better, right, than right. it was. It was a dominant performance against a defense that wasn't really, you know, ready for it. Um, but then again, at the same time, week two – against um you know a really a defense i think in philadelphia that is going to be pretty good this year i think they made some moves um you know darius slay's a great cornerback he, he even said right. that he's had like kind of justin jefferson ticketed um like he, what did he say after the game that he, justin jefferson is his son's favorite receiver so he was like oh <laughs> uh, yeah i gotta go tag that guy right um which is pretty funny by the way i just thought that was a cool oh, anecdote yeah. but really the the reality is you know i'm just looking at this bill's ecosystem right now I think the Bills are the best team in the NFL. I think oh, you could yeah. argue that they have the oh, best yeah. offense and the best defense in the NFL. And, you know, I, I think when you watch Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs this year, look, we know Steph Diggs is a great player. He still owns the top score all time in reception, perception, and success rate versus man coverage. He's an elite route runner. He's been an elite route runner for a long time. He's an elite NFL receiver. But I think when you watch him and Allen this year, it's like their primes are perfectly intersecting. And now right. they're almost doing that like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams stuff where they're just on the exact same page, you know, because he, these guys have now worked together for this is their third. Se it's crazy. This is only their third season together. But I think they've got that mind meltdown at this point that yeah, really through the first two games, you've seen multiple times where they've gotten those like back shoulder plays. Just give me, give me, give me every single time. It feels really good. I think the connection between Allen and Diggs at this point that, um, yeah, I, I think it's a no brainer to have him over Jamar Chase. I actually wish I had the stones to put him over Jamar Chase coming into this year. Um, and now it's just a question of like, I do think it's a debate between him and Justin Jefferson at wide receiver two, but for now I've, I've kept it Diggs three and, and Jamar Chase four and, and, and Justin Jefferson at two behind cup. 
Okay, so Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, um, Stefan Diggs, and then Jamar Chase at wide receiver four. Am I getting that right? Yes, and I think that's a tier of one still. I, I still believe that that is a that's 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 the first tier, and then there's a drop off to you know five, six, seven, eight, whatever. You know, you take you talk about that mind meld there in Buffalo. It, I mean. Stefan Diggs is catching freaking everything right now. Mm -hmm. The guy has 23 targets, 20 receptions. That's good for an 86.9% catch rate, 270 yards. And obviously the touchdowns just, I mean, bountiful right now. Four touchdowns here uh, for Stefan Diggs. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase is your wide receiver 10 on the season through two weeks. Uh, 15 of 25 catching the football, 183 and one touchdown. Relatively low catch rate for him, uh, just a 60% catch rate for Jamar Chase. You would imagine that that efficiency does go up uh, over time. I would imagine with Joe Burrow throwing him the football. It is interesting when you look at the Bengals right now because part of the optimism, I think, for Chase and for Higgins and this entire passing game was twofold. Number one, we expected that they'd have their offensive line fixed. They have not fixed that offensive line. They did. They did a lot of stuff yeah, they to it, but they, did. they didn't quite get there. I mean, Leo Collins has been one of the most disappointing players in the entire NFL. I think at this point yeah. at right tackle, um, look, I mean, he went against his former team in week two, went against Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons, is a legitimate one-man wrecking crew. I think Mark, Micah yeah. Parsons is already the second-best defensive player in the NFL behind Aaron Donald. He he's that dominant right now. I mean, he can absolutely t- he can absolutely take over an entire game. So that was a tough matchup there, Bengals Cowboys in week two. But that offensive line just hasn't it hasn't looked like it's been fixed yet. So that's still a work in progress. And I I think Burrow has looked a little rusty too. Again, two good defenses, two good pass rushes in Pittsburgh, um, in Pittsburgh and uh, and 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 Dallas in in week two there, but. Still, I think that that group is still kind of coming together. And the second thing that I think you'd have imagined with the with the Bengals is that their passing game would have been more up tempo, getting the ball out quicker, stuff like that. And we haven't quite seen that come to fruition yet. So I think there are better days ahead for the Bengals. But I just feel really good about where Diggs and and the Buffalo Bills are right now. And I, I'm not loving what what we've seen so far out of the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, obviously the offensive line is a work in progress. They spend, they spend a lot of money in the offseason. Dedicated like $70 million or $80 million in new money um, to the offensive line, which is uh, pretty impressive. But I think I agree with you that better days are ahead. Listen, they saw Pittsburgh in week one. They saw Dallas in week two. And you can say whatever you want about Dallas offensively, defensively. Oh, my gosh, these guys are cooking right now because <laughs> of Micah Parsons, because of the other Diggs brother. Um, as well mm-hmm. but Pittsburgh week one is tough dude like you That's know what tough, I mean like, yeah. yeah that that was tough so better days are ahead they've got the Jets this week they've got Miami coming up and then Baltimore um, so look it, there's going to be some you know a little grab bag of matchups there I'm not saying those are all soft matchups but certainly when you start your season Pittsburgh Dallas um, that that is pretty tough so I agree with you that better days are ahead uh, by the way just getting back to the Philadelphia thing from a schematic standpoint, and again, I don't have the official numbers in front of me here, but uh, they went zone heavy in Green Bay week one, and um, JJ just absolutely dismantled them single-handedly, mm-hmm. right? And then in week two, boy, Philadelphia, I thought they ran a lot more man. Um, and that's kind of sort of their identity anyways, I believe, uh, from a defensive standpoint. But it should be noted that in the offseason, <clears throat> they added James Bradbury, as their Mm -hmm. second corner, right? And Bradbury, listen, Bradbury did not play well last year, but you could say that about a lot of Giants. The vibes were not (laughs) good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know what I'm saying? The vibes were not good in New York. Um, You kind of sort of want to give him a pass, but I think even still, if you want to say, okay, he's your number two corner, ooh, boy, Slay and Bradbury as a one-two combo, that is pretty nice. That is pretty nice. And they also traded for uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson right before the season started, and they had a lot of problems at safety over the last few years. He can also play some slot corner as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm just pulling up the numbers right now. The Eagles are, you know, they've been a little less zone-heavy, I think, than they were last year when they were were extremely zone-heavy. But still, like – they're about right in the middle of the league in terms of man coverage rate right now. But um, really what I think they did extremely well against the Vikings was they just, they squatted on short and intermediate routes and they just, 
the, the I, I do think it's worth having a conversation about with the Vikings. Like how good are the guys around Justin Jefferson right now? Right. Like they could de- dedicate and squat on Justin Jefferson, like short to intermediate routes. And they're just reading Kirk's eyes, man. And that was just an all time <laughs> bad primetime Kirk cousins game. Like I, it's classic primetime Kirk. He's so bad in primetime. It is incredible. Like what happens uh, I, in primetime? It's I don't past his it. bedtime. It's past his bedtime. <laughs> I guess it is, man. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. And it was so weird too. It's like between the twenties, so good. And then yeah. once they got in red zone, you're like, just absolutely fell apart. Kirk Cousins. Um, they need a second answer. I think at wide receiver. I think Adam Thielen yeah. has clearly lost a step. Um, yeah. Well, I tell you, Irv Smith looked a little interesting there. Uh, although I we're getting a little off topic here with Minnesota. So let's move on. All right, CD Lamb. Uh, you've got him, what, just outside the top 10, man. Um, a decent bounce back there in week number two. Again, and we and we were saying, hey, listen, better days are ahead, man. Like week one, he saw Tampa yeah. Bay. Tampa Bay's defense is absolutely disgusting. It's so nasty. Okay, week two, he saw Cincinnati. Slightly softer matchup, seven catches on 11 targets for 75 yards. You've got him just outside the top 10. Yeah, so far, C.D. Lamb has gone from wide receiver five in the redraft rankings, which, I mean, I, I still, I'm still like, waking up in the middle of the night in cold sweats being like, why did you rank CD lamb above Devonte Adams going into this year? But still, um, whatever. Uh, it was an aggressive ranking, probably like not going to work out, but also didn't see Dak getting hurt. So I, right. I initially had jumped, knocked him down to like wide receiver 16, 17, even maybe I think, uh, yeah. in a previous edition. Now I've got him back up to wide receiver 11. Like you said, just outside the top 10, I think that's probably where he settles right now. And if, if, any of your, if you're listening to this and any of your league mates are still freaking out about Cooper Rush, like go trade for CD Lamb right now because I do right. think better better days are ahead for CD Lamb. I mean, honestly, he's got 22 targets in the first two games. Like he's seen 11 in both games. That's great. Right. And from two different quarterbacks, I think the most important thing. Yeah, this happens all the time in Week One, right? Like sometimes you you see something and you don't know how to react. Like the Dallas mm-hmm. offense looks like absolute ass in Week One. <laughs> Is that because Dallas's <laughs> offense is completely broken or is or, that because Tampa Bay's defense yeah. is really good? And then in week two, you see uh, Tampa Bay put Jameis Winston, who they have familiar with familiarity with, but they put Jameis Winston and the boys in the blender. Like, oh I mean, God. all day, just, just kicking ass. Right. Yep. So, so I think the, I think the lesson there is the Bucks defense is just really good, really, really yes. good. Probably going to be a top five unit this year. They've got playmakers oh, no at all question. three levels. So that's kind of my takeaway from being really freaked out about Dallas's offense in week one and CeeDee Lamb's like outlier performance, two catches on 11 targets. Give me a I break. And, and I think, number one, got to show Cooper Rush a little respect. That guy has at this point, um, <laughs> you know, my, my brother-in-law is a big Cowboys fan and he just uh, texted me a graphic that says Dak Prescott, 36 losses, Cooper rush, zero losses. Might be time, <laughs> might be time to have there a discussion about it, but like there Jesus, Travis show Golly. some, have some self-respect, but it, I mean, Cooper rush has been pretty good since he's got when he, when he gets in there, um, he well, won it, that game against the Vikings and he, he was pretty good at, on Sunday. I mean, we talked about this ourselves, like, you know, and I, and I was trying to like, you know, calm everybody down. I'm like, Hey, listen, CD lamb's too good of a player. You know, like, I'm not saying he's going to be a top 10 guy, but, you know, I think somewhere in the top 20, I think, makes a lot of sense. I, to be honest with you, I kind of feel like wide receiver, like 17, 18, makes a little bit more sense. I feel like your initial reaction to dropping him from 5 to 17 is probably, that that feels about right to me. I love what Cooper Rush, um, I don't love it, but I mean, listen, like I said, Cooper Rush is not <laughs> We'll live worst. with it. We'll take yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying he's not the worst Right. It's not like he went full Mason Rudolph on us. Right. So like, look, he's not the worst backup. um, But as we know, with backup quarterbacks, the more tape you get on these guys, the less effective they are. So um, they didn't have a lot of tape on him in week number two. The Bengals did not. So uh, I I would imagine his effectiveness will go down as the uh, as the weeks progress. But again, if the matchups are fine and you could you could game tape this guy all day long if you want. But if you don't have the personnel to execute. Still not going to stop everybody, right? So um, I think wide receiver 15-ish 
to me, I think sounds about right. Uh, especially looking at your rankings too, because again, you're, you're talking about in this, in this group, you've got, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown ahead of him. You know, T Higgins is in this group. Debo Samuel is in this group. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Terry McLaurin. Eh, I feel like CD lamb's kind of in like that Terry McLaurin ish area. Uh, if we were talking about your ranks, I'd still rather have him than T Higgins and Debo Samuel um, and both chargers guys, but I could hear, but that's the point of the tier, right? In this yes. tier is like, I could see any of these guys, you 100%. know, outscoring CD lamb. Right. Um, I think another big X factor for Dallas and for CD lamb and the trickle down effect is that Michael Gallup sounds like he's close to getting back, um, yeah. which is pretty crazy aggressive timeline, but Very. Um, it does sound like he, he might take some reps in this week three game and, I think we forget how good Michael Gallup is when he's healthy, dude. This guy's an awesome player. He's a, he is talk about like the guy that runs the difficult routes and just mm-hmm. like, Hey, uh, the thing people don't want to talk about when like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup both had a thousand yards is that Michael Gallup was running the harder routes, playing the harder receiver position. And, you know, Amari Cooper just getting those cookie cutter little flanker targets. Um, but that's my own <laughs> agenda there. Michael Gallup's a good player, man. So when he's back out there and we don't have to deal, you know, they finally, they cut our guy, Dennis Houston. I know. Who, who, which uh, our, our guy, you know, week one, like, Big time player Dennis Houston. They finally yes. cut this this creative character, and now Michael Gallup's out there. Hey, Noah Brown even was making some plays for uh, this team in, in week <laughs> two. Sure. So maybe the all hope is not lost in the Dallas passing game. Well, to me, I feel like if Noah Brown can actually play uh, inside a little bit, and they've kind of sort of mixed him around, like I, I you know, and again, if we if you if they want to mix and match those trio of receivers, that's not the worst group that you're looking at here when you're talking about cd lamb michael gallup and noah brown noah brown does not need to be a world beater guys he just needs to be a a league average wide receiver three in this league and if that's the case it will help unlock this offense a bit it will help unlock cd lamb to to, in terms of getting open and michael gallup's going to help there as well all right where did you put michael gallup where did you have him before and where do you have him now Noah brown has been in the league forever (laughs) 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 it's like like 2017 crazy um i bumped michael gallup up i i had him in like wide receiver tier nine i ended up putting him in tier seven around wide receiver 54 um and i think i he could rise from there 54 is um julio jones Traylon burks tyler boyd uh deandre hopkins but obviously that's a weird one you know he's in like sterling shepherd nico collins range um okay is michael gallup right now He's, he's there with Robert Woods. I dropped down to this tier. I think Robert Woods is a guy like if you need to make a drop, you can drop Robert Woods. Like I it, it ain't happening. Yeah. It ain't happening in Tennessee. Like if you, I don't really want any, I don't want any part of the Titans offense right now. They look, nope. um, they look terrible. Um, here's a crazy uh, stat from my buddy, Andy Barron's uh, in his stat pack article um, right now, uh, oh shit, let me, uh, let me pull it up actually. So I don't, I don't mess it up. Well, okay. Uh, while you're, while you're talking about that, I'll, I'll, I will, uh, you know, again, you talked about how you were semi high-ish semi on Nico Collins, um, came through in, in week number two, interesting, uh, stat line there. So nine targets, which is a ton. Um, and then four receptions for 58 yards. There was a little bit of hope there. I know you, uh, were a little bit higher on him, uh, the sim folks. I mean, listen, I like Nico Collins, but I was like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with this Houston Texans offense. But, um, but again, he wasn't the, he was not the worst. And he did show in a very tough matchup, by the way, against Denver, um, that there is something to get excited about. Yeah. Uh, that Derrick Henry stat, by the way, um, Andy wrote that Derrick Henry has gained 101 yards after contact so far in his 34 carries, according to pro football focus, which is a notable figure because he's only rushed for 107 yards. So, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Not a fun, not a fun season. Uh, no. I agree that Nico Collins, who, like I said, is right there with um with Michael Gallup for me. Um, you know, two guys that I think you you want to stick on the end of your bench and see what happens. The Texans get the Bears this week, right? Like the Bears defense is brutal. Um oh, that bad, that I think at this point we know they get um the Chargers after that's a tougher matchup, but then Hell they yeah. get the Jaguars the week following. So um, and you know, Jags defense I think is still a little hit or miss. Yep. Uh, especially at the cornerback position. So I think Nico Collins is still a guy you want to have on the end of your roster and just see what happens. And dude, yeah, Michael Gallup, I think if he's healthy, he's going to give you like better than expected numbers. And really, really the important thing with Gallup being back is just like, what did we see in week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? 
just sitting on those short and intermediate routes because, like, <laughs> Semi who the hell is not burning them deep, and Dennis Houston ain't burning them deep. So, like, Michael Gallup, yeah. though, he can get deep. He can burn. So uh, right. he's an important guy to get back. But certainly if he's out there on any waiver wires, and I bet he is, you should probably add him and stick him in the end of the bench. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. You've got Amon Ross St. Brown at, uh, well, right now he is, in, in fantasy anyways, he's the wide receiver 10. Um, uh, where is he? Oh, excuse me. I think you you have him right. I have him at wide receiver, receiver 10. I, I believe he is higher than that currently. Yes. Yeah. He is the wide receiver four in fantasy right now with 180 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, talk to me about how high he moved up and the thought process there. Yeah, I had him initially at the top of my fifth tier of receivers, um, and I've moved him now to the top of the third tier. Um, actually, no, I think I had him at the bottom of tier four. Now he's at the top of tier three, and I, I did have him. He was in featured in the article. Uh, shout out to me. was featured featured in the article. <laughs> Ten receivers that reception perception is higher than consensus on. I think he's actually right. the cover guy on that uh, on that post on the website. So for sure. I mean, look, dude, I love Amon Ross St. Brown. I've been on record about this. I mean, dude, you and I actually had a video right after the, the, the draft. This is not revisionist history. You and I had a video right after the draft. You can find it on our YouTube page that the Packers effed up taking Amari Rogers over Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, Clearly. so by the, by the way, have you seen the video? Of, um, it's, I think it was just going around today. So you, you might've missed it. Cause I know you're, you're big, uh, big TV guy on Wednesdays, <laughs> yeah. big, fa- big famous stuff. James Coe. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I do code. some. I do some. Uh, yeah, okay, all right. But calm down, calm down. All right, I do some TV stuff on to, on Wednesdays. All right, just relax. But did you see the video of him in the in like a press conference today talking about? Oh yeah, I was looking on the uh, other sideline for um, that Commanders receiver Deami Brown that they took ahead of me, uh, but I didn't see him playing much in the game. Wow, throwing some shade. I love it, dude. Love he is, that. and like on Hard Knocks too. He he like could list all name by. He could Every go by name person. all the guys that That's got nuts. taken ahead of him. Yeah, he's. Oh my god. So he's pretty competitive fella. But anyways, I love um, it. yeah. I mean, he is. I just think he's based like he is this year's Cooper Cup. Uh, he is this guy. Like he's gonna have that type of season. Uh, you could Break look. Uh, we could look back in a couple of weeks and think that wide receiver ten is too low for him. I mean, mm. the guys I have again, I have him at the top of tier three. Oh no, actually, I have him right behind Michael Pittman. That's it. I think that's an interesting debate. Like, would you rather have Mike sure. Pittman or would you rather have Amon Ross St. Brown the rest of this year? Ooh, Two USC guys, by the way. I know, isn't that weird? Um, and I think they played together as well. Um, they did. I I would rather have I would rather have Pittman because of his versatility inside outside and again this just goes back to when you look at the profile of top 10 fantasy wide receivers generally these guys do play the x um not saying that you can't get there obviously we saw cooper cup win the triple crown in receiving last year so obviously you can do that um but if we're just playing the overall you know trends and and kind of looking at what um the profile is of these dominant guys at the in the top 10 it's generally guys that could play outside as well. I don't know. Um, I guess, you know, a big question, a big factor in that, Matt, is how cooked do you think Matt Ryan is? Or do you think that was just a week two blip? Great question. Uh, and I want to revisit that X receiver versus slot receiver, like top 10 point here in a, in a little bit. But just on the okay. Matt Ryan thing, um, 
I'm, I'm a little freaked out about I'm a little freaked out about Matt Ryan to to be honest with you. Yeah, dude. But it's not it's not necessarily um a Matt Ryan thing. The the one thing I am really concerned about is um the the one thing I'm really concerned about is the ecosystem in in um Indianapolis being a lot worse than I thought. Um and and by the way, I don't want to totally freak out about the Colts. I know they lost to the damn Jaguars. Um, right. This is actually pretty crazy, James. Uh, the Jaguars are six and thirty over their last thirty-six games. Four of those victories have come against the Colts in the 2019 season finale, the 2020 season opener, the 2021 season finale, and Week Two this year. Like <laughs> they've won insane. six games in their last thirty-six, and four of them have been against the Colts. Which, by wow. the way, probably not good for like the Jaguars to have your number. But <laughs> it's just. <laughs> You look at the receiver core that Matt Ryan was playing with, like without Michael Pittman and Alec it Pierce too. Who we 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 like Alec Pierce. Yeah, it's I mean it's total dust. Like Paris Campbell, enough already with Paris Campbell. Yeah, like I, I know he, the biggest thing is he can't stay healthy, but like he is also not that good of a player. Um, you know Ashton Doolin, like Michael Strachan, scratch your back or whatever. Like oh. uh, not great, right? Yikes. The 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 biggest problem though, um, is that the offensive line doesn't look like close to the same unit. And we've seen this happen to teams before, yeah. like Dallas's offensive line was much, you know, discussed and had all those accolades for years. And then mm -hmm. it starts to fall apart and it falls apart fast. And I wonder if the, the this is kind of starting to happen to the Colts too, because their left tackle position is not solved. And Matt Ryan in week two was dead last in terms of EPA per drop back when pressured like that, that I think it, it, if that offensive line is going to be an issue, it's going to be an issue with Indianapolis overall. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I mean, you think about what they did uh, this offseason. Obviously, they trade away Carson Wentz. They go get Matt Ryan. Um, yeah, boy, even even having somebody like Alex Pierce, you know, somebody that can actually stretch the field a little bit. I They yeah. don't have that guy right now. And obviously, Michael Pittman's your chain mover. He can do everything. Uh, but he was out as well. So I don't know. I'm kind of sort of willing to give the Colts a pass there in week number two. But you, you just can't get around the fact that, boy, Matt Ryan did not look, look good. No, he didn't look great, man. Um, so there is yeah. some concern there. All right. Uh, the I Colts also always start slow, by the way. They always start. They always stink in September. Every single year under Frank Reich, which, by the way, again, not good to always start slow in September, just like it's not good for the Jaguars to have your damn number, you know? So I'm not like giving Frank Reich and the boys a pass for this, but it is just right. the way they start every single year. Okay. So you piqued my interest there. You said uh, you wanted to circle back about uh, top 10 wide receivers and the slot position. Okay. So talk to me. What, what are you thinking here? Well, so I think that we're just in a different era of the NFL right now where like we need to kind of reimagine. And I, I've definitely thought this way too, James. So like we're, I'm evolving my thought process on this, just like I think, you know, you were discussing where typically number one receivers in fantasy and really number one receivers in the NFL. We do think of these guys as the prototypical X receivers, you know, the mm -hmm. prototypical outside guys like the, the Julio Jones archetype, uh, the AJ Green archetype of guys, Calvin um, Johnson, the list goes Calvin on. Calvin Johnson, yeah. yeah. Of course, and like even um, Devontae Adams, Stefan yep. Diggs, like more recent examples. Um, Jamar Chase is that guy as well. Um, but I do think that it's kind of time to start reimagining that because I think it it puts our blinders up to guys like Cooper Cup, who sort of did like what Amon Ross St. Brown did last year, which is like came out of not came out of nowhere, but was an established player. And it's like, okay, well, like I think a lot of the my theory on Amon Ross St. Brown, because the big discussion point all offseason was, oh, he's not going to get those targets again because all those guys were hurt, blah, 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 which yeah. was stupid. <laughs> and it was bad at the time, and it looks even worse in hindsight. Uh -huh. um, but I I think that a lot of that is because, not just because he was a day three pick, but I also think it was because he was, um, you know, a, a, a slot receiver. I think if he had come out and been like a an X receiver type, I think people would have bought into him more. But I, I think it's almost like a, slot receiver sort of like a pejorative term which i don't think it should be anymore you know our our buddy josh scott that's a good point in the in the discord asked us today like the counter like what's the counter punch for these guys with um with defense like with defenses right because the counterpunch to like 2020 tyree kill and stefan Diggs to a degree with the bills was like those two high shells 
Um, but it, that, that's been like beneficial to guys like Cooper Cup and Amon Ross St. Brown. So what is the defensive counterpunch to these guys? And I honestly don't – that's the thing that leads me to be like buying in on these players as number one type receivers. I don't know. I don't know hmm. what the what the defensive counterpoint is because you can't – you. it's so hard. And you talk to NFL cornerbacks. You talk to NFL wide receivers. They'll tell you, you know, a guy like Mike Evans who has played most of his career on the perimeter. I talked to him this offseason and, you know, he made the point like Cooper Cup's able to do what he does. And the the Bucks like current coaching staff has been pretty actually good about – getting their guys like thir- even 30% snaps out of the slot or 30% routes out of the exactly. slot, like Mike Evans yeah. included. And he says, when you move in there, like it's really defenses can't realistically double you. It's, or it's much harder to double the slot receiver. Um, sure. It's much harder to like press man, the, the, the slot receiver, which is obviously we know that press targets, man targets, like even in reception perception, those routes are, have lower success rates. It's harder to get open against man press coverage than it is against zone coverage. So I don't really know what the defensive counterpunch is to these guys, um, especially when they're running these shorter patterns or whatever, like defenses are kind of willing to give you that. They're not really willing to let you burn them over the top. So I'm moving more and more to thinking that like a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown can be a number one receiver, just like a guy like Cooper Cup can be a number one wide receiver. If they're just going to get fed a shit ton of volume, then they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna be top level fantasy receivers. I think the math just ends up working that way. And I think a great example of that right now, these two guys we talked about the last episode, and um, they're in the in season charting tracker on the website is Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson because Garrett Wilson is getting those like off the line routes. He's getting those slot routes. Um, and Elijah Moore is not like Elijah Moore is running the perimeter outside the number uh, targets. And you're seeing the targets go to Garrett Wilson. Who's a great player. Elijah Moore is a good player too, sure. but yeah. So I, I don't know, Lo- kind of long answer there, but I just think we got to start coming around to these guys, like being like slot receivers also, um, you know, just being, um, being top level guys in fantasy okay. and real life. I like it, man. Um, and certainly, you know what I'd love to do? And at some point I will, I'm going to have to dig into some of your success rates versus zone coverage um, and then see who's, you know, who's doing really well there. Because I tell you what, um, I think as a predictive measurement, I think that um, in today's NFL, I mean, you talk about cover two and, and, and zone looks deep and all that stuff. It's like, um, I think that you're right. I think when you take a look at that, um, that will certainly help you kind of in the predictive business, look at who might be able to do well. Um, and certainly look, working with certain quarterbacks is certainly going to help you. You know what I mean? Jared Goff, um, can do a lot of different things, but I think he has kind of sort of been conditioned, uh, towards looking, uh, into the slots. And then, and then again, what do they have at quarterback Joe Flacco in New York? It's like, all right, well, you know, at this point in his career, he's not a deep ball thrower. He was at one point, he threw a beautiful deep ball. Um, at, at some point in his career, I don't know if that's his, I don't know if that's his game now, right? So I don't know. I, I think I think matching those two things together probably makes a lot of sense. Two points here. Um, the, right now in the NFL, no team is running um, zone cut. This is according to Pro Football Focus. No team is running man coverage at a rate higher than thirty nine percent. The highest team is the Detroit Lions at thirty nine point six percent man coverage, and. Wow. Um, 18 teams right now are running zone coverage 70 plus percent. And I I, like some of these numbers, it's, you know, there are certain schemes where like you can be manned up on the outside. If you're, if you're the outside receiver, but you're going to see more zone from like Mm -hmm. linebackers and safeties if you're in the slot. So I think this is like an approximation, but that's just one point to make there. Um, And then you mentioned like digging into the zone success rate numbers. Would you like me to tell you who the top seven players in success rate (sighs) versus zone coverage were last year? Hit me. Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Debo Samuel, <laughs> Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. Hey, pretty good play. Pretty good work. players. Guys who put up a ton of numbers. And, and and some other guys that were just behind them. Isaiah McKenzie, LOL. But that, let's ignore that for a second. Uh, Michael Pittman, Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith. Like those are guys we all really like wow. to be breakout receivers. So, you know, okay. just, just a note there. Okay, so there you go. Um, and I've said this before. I, you know, I, I wrote an article on the website um, as well, just talking about you know when you look at success rate versus man and press, it is that's actually a very good predict. It's a shortcut in a lot of ways because if you can beat man, that means you're successful in a lot of different areas. Yes. You know what I mean? So, and I think that is also true now. 
when we start talking about zone coverage as well. But you're right. Uh, I, I'd love to just kind of hyper-focus in on that. And at some point, um, I'll, I'll get the, uh, the pen out and uh, start doing some writing there too. So there you go. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. Um, hey, you mentioned it just a little bit, Matt. Um, Garrett Wilson is a big mover for you. Uh, wide receiver 12 we're looking at. We're talking about a guy that had nine points in week one and then exploded for 30 in week number two, sitting there with uh, 154 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, why the big move? I'm assuming you're thinking that this success that he saw in week number two is pretty sustainable. Yeah, I bumped him to wide receiver 38. You know, I I got a cop to um, a bad take on this podcast. A few, um, if somebody reminded me of this, shout out to you guys for listening to the show. <laughs> um, reminded me that when we did our rookie rankings, I had ranked him. Re- yeah. I think I might've said this on the last podcast that like based on opportunity, I was really low on Garrett Wilson for his rookie season. Like I, I thought they were going to play goofballs like Braxton Berrios ahead of him, but they're running Garrett Wilson out as like the slot receiver. So I bumped him all the way up to wide receiver 38, um, which is in uh, the same tier like that tier five dude is actually 37 for Garrett Wilson. And you know, my fifth tier of receivers is like guys you really want all the way from like Gabe Davis to Ayuk to um, Chris Godwin, Jerry Judy, Michael Thomas. Like, wow. I think he's going to be kind of in this group of dudes more towards the back half of it. Right. But the thing with Garrett Wilson, DK Metcalf I mean, in that tier too. Correct. Yeah. So I think the thing with Garrett Wilson is, I love the layup looks that he's getting. I love that role that they have him in, um, in his reception perception sample, which again, should be on the site by the time this podcast is up. No, no, it will definitely be on the site hey! by the time this podcast yeah, is up. Let's go. 66.3% of his uh, snaps are off the line of scrimmage. That helps a lot to get you in motion. That helps you a lot to get favorable matchups. And he's been about a 45% slot player through two weeks. So love to see that. Talked about his after-the-catch skills. Talked about his separation skills on the last podcast. I mean, he's just a freaking stud, dude. So, And the usage that he's been getting, he's tied right now for the NFL lead in end zone targets with Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. Like, hey, those are good players, right? So <laughs> I, I'm, I still have Elijah Moore a few spots ahead of him. I'm, I'm holding out there, but talk to me in two weeks. I could I could flip those guys because I think, I think both are great players. I think that... Wilson's probably a better player. And I think that the usage they've been giving him is just more like, again, it's, it's just what we just talked about. Are you going to have like layup slot routes? Are you and but also be a freak show of an athlete and be able to burn guys vertically from the slot? Or are you going to be that outside X receiver? That's going to get the more difficult targets, get the more difficult looks all against the line of scrimmage or, in, uh, or on the line of scrimmage and around the boundary. I think that's the role Elijah Moore is playing right now. I think that's not the, and Garrett Wilson's got the easier role. So that's why I want to be aggressive on Wilson. It's interesting. You know, and again, if we're doing mea culpas, Hey, listen, I, I having watched him at Ohio state thought he had a little bit of a ways to go in terms of being an impact player. I thought he was a good all around wide receiver. Um, but I didn't see a lot of, what am I trying to say? I didn't see a lot of special traits. Um, I'm wrong. Bottom line is <laughs> flat out wrong. Um, yeah, he looks and, great. And he looks awesome, you know? So again, uh, yeah, if we're doing me a couples, that's mine. Okay. <laughs> Cause like coming out, I thought, okay, Hey, listen, he's going to be a solid wide receiver, but they already have a special wide receiver in Elijah Moore there in New York. Where does he fit in? The answer is he fits in quite nicely. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? Honestly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so he's been doing extremely well. So, uh, he's another player that is interesting, man. These rookies, Matt, Dude, like rookies look great. Th- it's crazy, man. Like you're not supposed to be this good coming straight away. Like what is going on? Well, I think some of it is their the coaches are are easier about, um, you know, the like the, they're better about getting guys in favorable situations. What we just talked about with um, what we just talked about with the, the Garrett Wilson, the, the way they're lining him up, you know, that that's pretty cool to see. Um, then you've also just got guys like Drake London, who I bu- I bumped Drake London up so high. I bumped him nice. to wide receiver twenty three. Um, wow, I, I, let's go, jeez, man. Yeah, I I, I think and <laughs> I think go. that's conservative. I had somebody actually leave a comment on the rest of the season rankings page on the site and be like, uh-huh. "Wow, after listening to you on the last podcast, I would have thought he'd been like higher than that." <laughs> so I I don't know. I I'm, I can be a little conservative with these rest of season rankings sometimes, sure. but I definitely think Drake London is 
Like you gotta you gotta be starting Drake London every single week going forward. He looks incredible. Um, I think the guy. Ne- by the way, the next one, the next okay. one's definitely gonna be Chris Olave. I think the, right mm-hmm. right now, Chris Olave leads the NFL in air yards. Yep. Um, I know Jameis Winston has a bad back, and ain't nobody used to have a bad back. Uh, so that is a little concerning. But at the same time, um, he just opportunity's great, and I think he's a great player. So he could be the next guy that rises up the rest of the season ranks from a rookie wide receiver perspective. But I did keep him um, in my sixth tier for now at wide receiver 43. But, um, yeah, really, really high on Olave as well. He could be next. John Dotson's balling too, man. John yeah, Dotson's like – I know. He's, he looks he's looking great too. We talked about him uh, recently on the show too. His catch radius right now is just absolutely insanity. Like watching him just kind of twist and turn and like adjust to the ball. It's just – I mean, get out of here with this. I mean, and he's on, like dude. your size, bro, which is I, incredible. That's what I'm saying. Like, come on. <laughs> you're not supposed to be like this. An undersized wide receiver, like with an insane old catch rate is like, what? What is going on? Um, man, it's 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 crazy. Um, yeah. Dotson is a player that I completely counted out because I'm, I'm like, listen, he's too small. dude. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like, you, it's like you are no. you are you are definitely sizest. I dude, I'm such a snob about that. It's so bad. I, and I and I fully come to that. It's a blind spot for me for sure. How about Christian Kirk? This is somebody that's a mover and shaker for sure. Right now, dude, my dude's a wide receiver seven on 18 yeah. total targets. Like what? How did he do that? Um, it's at uh, what is it? 12 catches, 195 through the air and two touchdowns does take on the Chargers this week. So this is a big test for Christian Kirk. Yeah, another uh, shout out to me. Uh, Christian Kirk also featured in that uh, 10 receivers uh, reception mm-hmm. perception has a head of consensus. So, so you should probably subscribe to the site if you've listened <laughs> it this far. There you go. Uh, Christian Kirk, again, I think the reason I was high on him coming into this year and the reason I'm still really high on him is that um, I don't care what he got paid. Like that ain't my money. It ain't your money. Who gives a damn what the Jaguars paid Christian Kirk? But it did show intent. And also Kirk kind of fits into this, um, this slot receiver mold, right? Like he's a Mm -hmm. pure inside guy when the the Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, dummy coaching staff out there in Arizona (laughs) tried to use him as like, they've tried to use him as like a perimeter receiver for a ton of time, like early on in his career, early on in Cliff's career, they'd stick him out at the flanker spot and, you know, Kirk can function as an outside flanker, but like he should be a, a pure slot guy. And when he's been a slot guy, he's been really, really good the last two years. I mean, his RP profile coming to this year was much better than people expected, you know? So he's like an 80 plus percent zone coverage guy. So if he's going to line up in the slot, he's going to see a lot of zone coverage. He can get open and, he, and he's not just like a little pop gun slot receiver either. No, he can get down the field. We've seen that through two weeks. So I think Kirk is a guy, I bumped him to wide receiver 20 um, in, in my fourth tier right there with like Allen Robinson, uh, Deontay Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Drake London. He's right in that group. Um, I really like Christian Kirk. Uh, if he's a guy that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be trying to sell high on Christian Kirk. I think his production the first two weeks is legit. You know, I'll, I'll also say this. Trevor Lawrence um, has certainly taken a step forward here in year number two, and he's got eyes. He has eyes for Christian Kirk. You know what I mean? So that's not bad. Um, and, and I, and I like what you did with the, with uh, Christian Kirk in terms of putting him at wide receiver 20. I, it, for me, just in terms of anticipated volume moving forward, it's really hard not to see Christian Kirk finishing as, as a top 25 wide receiver. 100%. I mean, look, who else are going to, you know, I don't like the who else are they going to throw the ball argument all the time because, you know, it, it can lead you to drafting guys like Darnell Mooney. Bad idea. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But but right. Christian Kirk is, is a legit baller, um, mm-hmm. number one. So he's going to he's gonna earn those, those targets. But, like, they don't have – like their perimeter receivers are still Marvin Jones and Zay Jones. Yeah, the like Jones it's not brothers. as if sud. It's not it. Yeah, the Jones boys. It's not as if someone is suddenly going to come up and start eating into that volume for Zay Jones. Uh, I mean, for uh, Christian Kirk, like Zay Jones will play his role. Marvin Jones, I mean, I guess will play his role. Uh, and then they have Evan Ingram playing tight end. Uh, so I think that this is legit at this point for Christian Kirk. You know, even like Travis Etienne, all those rumors about him like being a receiver. Yeah, that's not happening. It's right. it's, it's Christian. It's a Christian Kirk show in Jacksonville. Again, I, I go back to this whole Trevor Lawrence thing, because, again, um, well, first of all, my 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 colleague on DirecTV, um, John Hansen, the guru 
uh, one of the sharpest minds in fantasy football. He's so out on Trevor Lawrence. I'm like, man, it's so early really? to be why, out why? on Trevor Lawrence. He is like, hey, listen, he, he watches a lot of game film. And he's like, from a game film mm-hmm. perspective, it's like, you know, he, it's, he, he thinks he's got too long of a release. And it's like, it's not going to work. And, and this, this, that, and this other thing. And I'm like, man, I think Trevor Lawrence has really taken a nice step forward. And to be honest with you, I think the Jaguars have one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL. Yes, and tr- I agree. And and Trevor Lawrence, I believe, has elevated the play of a lot of these guys. Um, and look, Evan Ingram was in the freaking trash pile, dude. Like he's actually relevant right now, which is we're talking about Evan Ingram. We're talking about Evan. He's relevant. Like what is going on? You know what I mean? Zay Catching Jones. like seventy plus percent of his balls too, which we know that Thank was a you. problem. Thank, that's what I'm saying. Like Trevor Lawrence, I think has taken a real big step forward. And, um, and again, I'm, I'm really just looking forward to his development, man. Like I, I really think that, uh, and plus he's getting functional coaching now, by the way, defense yeah. is getting functional coaching too, you know? And so like the defense really yeah. is not the worst in the NFL. So there you go. Um, so a couple, one, one yeah. thing I just to, to, to agree with you on Trevor Lawrence, I think there's a difference between, like Trevor Lawrence might not hit the ceiling that because remember he was discussed as like the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. Maybe he maybe he's showing more flaws because I I agree with Hanson that when you watch his his rookie tape Trevor Lawrence there were certainly some like bad habits there but I do think you have to like th- like Trevor Lawrence I think is basically this is his rookie year like he has never he's yes. never had NFL level coaching before this right. is the first year he has NFL level coaching you know Bourbon Meyer last year out there just like running a clown <laughs> show in Jacksonville give me a freaking break um shout out to my my buddy Dalton Del Don from Yahoo for Bourbon Meyer but um, so yeah great. like that's such a great nothing <laughs> yeah I mean so I think like this is the first year we can really judge Trevor Lawrence yeah. and also from the supporting cast like you say they have one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL. Um, I agree with you, but it was so much worse last year. Last year, uh, his top three targeted players were Marvin Jones, who's currently fourth on the team in targets, and I think mm-hmm. is is pretty much dust at this point. Sorry to yeah. your Cal Bears. Um, uh, hey, and then he's it had was a decent career. Oh, he's a great career, great career. Yeah. Um, then he's had number two was Lavisca Chenault, who's currently on the freaking Panthers and Laquan Treadwell, who's also not on the roster. So that's what we were dealing with. I am so bad. Is LaVisca on the, is he even active for the Panthers? He is, he is on, oh my God, James, not only is he on the, the, the active roster, Matt rule Uh is talking this week about, I think we need to like LaVisca Chenault should play more. That'll help us. And I'm like, Hey, two things, buddy. One, no, it won't Two, you. That's your call. Matt rule. (laughs) I know. Who is he talking about? He, what are you talking about? Like, I love what? that is that is my favorite thing that oh coaches do. Um oh like they they, they they you know Jesus Christ. Is there is there any human being on planet Earth that is is even like like is optimistic about Matt Rule anymore? And Matt, I'm including Matt Rule in that because there's no way he can be that optimistic at this point. Oh, it, it's so crazy too because like remember that first year that he came out, everyone was mad high on Matt Rule, and then like man, that came crashing down real quick. even before that. Even Golly. even before that, like he was uh, he was hyped up, you know, incessantly um, coming into coming into the NFL right, or even before right. he took a job. Like when he just had he had that interview with the Jets where he demanded to make his own coaching staff. And and then, you know, um, they were like, no, we don't want you to do that. And he, he got out of there. Yeah. Um, like he, he took, he didn't take it. That's how in demand Matt rule was. He, he was, he was holding teams hostage that were trying <laughs> to get him there. Um, and now it's just such a disaster at this point. Um, I'm, I'm looking for this, this stat as we're talking about Matt rule. Cause it's just absolutely insane. I'm, I'm hoping I can find it. I'll, I'll just keep filibustering until I do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's insane in Carolina. I, are you, how do you, to, to filibuster, how do you feel about DJ Moore, man? Are you freak? Are you freaked out about DJ Moore? Cause he's a guy who dropped a lot in the rest of the season rankings from 11 to 18. I never saw. And first of all, fantasy Twitter loves, loves, loves DJ Moore. but just from like an environment standpoint, I never saw, and I never viewed DJ Moore as a top 12 fantasy wide receiver coming in to 2022. Um, and a lot of that had to do with quarterback play, a little bit of coaching. And then again, he's a good player. I wouldn't say he's a dominant player, right? So we talk about targets being earned and targets. Like mm-hmm. you, 
demanding those targets. I think he's a good player. I think he's a very good player. I don't see him as a dominant player that just, you got to get him 12, 13 targets a game. Yeah. I mean, he was getting the, that volume last year. Uh, I do agree with you though. That he's probably, he's probably a, 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 a really good, a really good number. I mean, maybe I think just probably a good number one, but not a great number one. Yes. Um, that's exactly and, how I would peg him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but I actually think that they've, done this coaching staff has done him a disservice by not putting him in like a flanker, like pre-snap motion type role and like getting more slot targets. Cause he would crush in that. They've really stuck him at like ISO X receiver. And, you know, you just look at the way guys, you know, across the NFL are getting targets schemed up. And I think like DJ Moore would be perfect for that. Cause he's so good on like in breaking routes, like the slant and the dig route. Um, and even beating man coverage on those routes, getting him over the middle and he's great after the catch, but like, I was just going to say like, you don't want this guy just trying to beat you downfield. Like, don't you want to get this guy on like cross deep crossers, just like moving him horizontally across the field, like have him in motion, you know, like do some things to get this guy into open space. Because I'll tell you what, man, I don't care what anybody says. Like in the open field, DJ Moore is just straight up dangerous he could play in a Debo Samuel type of role like no oh, for sure. nobody's gonna you know, just Debo's like one of the best edge rushers in the like getting to the edge you get outside zone runners in the entire NFL so maybe DJ yeah. Moore wouldn't be like that but I mean in his rookie year they th- that Ron Rivera and young Turner uh and and, and, and old <laughs> Turner too they were okay, there you go. Scott Turner there are dozens yeah. of us James there dozens are dozens of us, of us. Yes. uh <laughs> you know they they did a pretty good job like using <laughs> using DJ more creatively um yeah. But last thing, so the problem here is this Panthers coaching staff might not be that sharp because I found the stat I was looking for. Matt Rule is one and twenty-four when allow when teams score more than seventeen points against him. One what? and twenty-four when allowing seventeen plus points. James, if if you score more than seventeen oh points against God. the Carolina Panthers, you win. And by the way. Everybody scores more than 17, 17 points. points. <laughs> That's nothing. What? Oh my it's God. It's been an, I, I think it has been nothing short of offensive malpractice. What has gone on in Carolina under Matt rule. So that's my point of like, I think Panthers fans hate Matt rule. And I, 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 th- I think it's deserved. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> oh my goodness, dude. That is Wow. That's outrageous. All right, so there you go. If you want to see the rest of uh, Matt Harmon's rest of season rankings, obviously go to the website, receptionperception.com. If you're still sticking with us, we appreciate y'all. Why don't you go ahead and rate and subscribe to the podcast? That would be very much appreciated as well. Matt, final thoughts, man, going into week number three. Um, No, man, I'm gassed up about week three. We got a crappy Thursday night game to get us started. (laughs) Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Pittsburgh Steelers, enough already with Mitch Trubisky. Like, you have too many talented players. Just play Kenny Pickett. Just play Kenny Pickett and see what the kids got. We're Enough done Mitch. with Mitch. It's 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 not gonna happen with Mitch. Like if he wants to be a backup for the next ten years, by all means. But we're done with Mitch as a starter. It's like, oh my god. If he wants to be a backup for the next ten years, he should stop playing. Like he he should have he should have <sighs> like been Josh Allen's backup, you know. Yes. And then like gone and taken another backup job. But 100%. the fact that we're seeing more, ta- you know, this is how it works with backup quarterbacks. Like you said, the more tape you see on them, the worse it gets. Yeah. Like the more, the longer these guys play. Like even like when Chase Daniel had to get on the field when uh, when Josh uh, when Justin Herbert was hurt on Thursday night, you could see it. Like Chase Daniel's like, nope, 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 <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> you don't want to see me playing. You want to see me on the sideline cashing checks, baby. Uh, that's great. All right, so there you go. All right, that's our show for Matt Harmon. I'm James Cowboy. We'll see you.